It's a great privilege to be back with you all this week. I missed you all last week. Uh, my wife and I, along with our rector, Chris, and his wife, Nicole, and our wardens, uh, were all in England last week for something called the Compass Rose Society. Uh, St. Michael's is a member of this group, and I'm so grateful uh, that our church is committed to being part of the global Anglican communion. Um, I want to share a little bit about that experience with you as it pertains uh, to today. Um, but mostly, I just wanted to, to win the Preaching Bingo Award. Um, the, the, the spot that's the hardest to get is connecting the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Archbishop of Canterbury. So, and keep the reference. Okay. Um, so the Compass Rose Society is an organization that uh, exists to support the Archbishop of Canterbury. We as Episcopalians uh, and members of St. Michael and All Angels are part of the Diocese of Dallas, which is part of the Episcopal Church, which is the U.S. and some other countries, which is part one of the 39, soon to be 40, provinces of the Anglican Communion. So we have brother and sister uh, Christians across the globe who worship in a similar way that we do, who have ties and roots back to Canterbury and uh, the English Reformation and all those kinds of things. And so it's a really wonderful thing to be part of something that is so great. We are not like the Roman Catholic Church in that we don't have a pope and we're not um, dogmatic in the same way and our polity, uh, our structure is different. Um, we are united to each other through bonds of, of unity and instruments of unity. Um, there are three specifically, but two of those are the Archbishop of Canterbury himself and uh, the Lambeth uh, Conference. Lambeth, uh, starting back in 1867, is a gathering of all the bishops of the Anglican Communion. Um, so back in 1867, that was a much smaller group than it is today. But uh, today, I think there's 950 uh, Anglican bishops in the world. Um, and about every 10 years or so, uh, they all gather together at Lambeth Palace um, for prayer, uh, for worship, um, for conversations uh, about how we are all in this work of being Christ's body together throughout the world. So um, the Compass Rose Society um, is set up uh, to support the Archbishop and his travels, and uh, it really came about, uh, it's kind of an interesting way, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury was visiting uh, one of the poorer provinces, and there were a, was a large gathering of people, and he asked about when communion was going to happen, and the response was, we don't have enough money to buy bread. This might sound familiar if you think about the feeding of the 5,000. And the Archbishop said, well, we should buy bread. And so making sure the Archbishop has the, the resources he needs to, to provide the ministry he does. Um, the Lambeth Conference, uh, with all these bishops from all the disparate parts of the world, is an opportunity to come together, but uh, it might be really difficult for some of our um, bishops who are in rural or poor parts of the community. Some of our bishops in the Anglican community don't receive a salary, and some receive a salary of maybe $10 a month. So you can imagine getting to and from London is uh, quite an expense. Um, so in addition to being in, in England for a week and reconnecting with a friend that I made 15 years ago in Iona, and I hadn't seen her since, uh, but we got to spend some time with, with her family and worship at their little um, English village church, which was wonderful. In addition to uh, having a, a big cathedral service and seeing a bunch of lay readers being stalled, um, in addition to uh, experiencing uh, the Prime Meridian and um, seeing all the sights and sounds and stuff of London. We saw Hamilton. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> such a great experience all around. We also got to participate in this incredible conference. We, we did have you know, dinner at Lambeth Palace with Archbishop of Canterbury. That's kind of a cool thing. But how does it connect? 
Compass Rose has set up a scholarship fund for bishops, um, and they are hoping to raise 100 scholarships of $10,000 each. And at first I thought, man, that's a lot of money. And then I thought, no, that's probably what it costs to get these people here and to pay for their time and all that kind of stuff. And then immediately they said, and we've already collected a whole bunch of them. So what that means is that individual people uh, in the U.S. and Canada and England and Hong Kong are mostly where the chapters of this are, have decided that it's so important to them that our bishops of the Anglican Communion get together, that they're willing to give away $10,000 of their own money to make this happen, maybe for someone they've never even met. And I was really, really inspired by that kind of generosity. And I hope, hope you are too. Um, it means a lot that we are part of a communion and that that communion is held together uh, through the bonds of unity. So it was an incredible trip. I'm glad to be back with you today. Of course, they always give the new guy the passage on wealth because it's the hardest one and we're going to... What does this mean? Camel and needle stuff? I don't know. But we're going to talk about this passage a little bit and see, see how we do. So this story uh, is, is a really profound one. And um, just a little bit of background. So it begins by saying Jesus set out on a journey. But we need to be clear. This is not a journey. This is the journey. This is Jesus beginning his journey to the cross. Right? Uh, when Mark says that in the beginning of this passage... Chapter 10, Jesus has shifted all his focus from his earthly ministry. He's still going to do some teaching and miracles, but mostly now his direction is focused to Jerusalem and to cross to die. And when this young man encounters him and he asks him to sell his possessions, and we're all kind of struck by that, you have to keep in mind what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is on his way to die, even for this guy. And so uh, keep that in mind as we go through. Now, the next thing that's really important about this passage is um, it is about wealth, but it's also about discipleship. When the guy comes and talks to Jesus, uh, there's a very clear sense that he is trying in his life. He's following these commandments. And Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. Dot, 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 dot. I'm going to skip that middle part for a second. Come follow me. The thing that the man lacks to get the things that he's after, eternal life, treasures in heaven, entering the kingdom of God, the thing that he lacks is not following the commandments of God, but it is following Jesus. But in order for this guy to follow Jesus, he first has to sell his possessions and give away his money to the poor. Now, this guy is not the only one who's shocked, right, by this pronouncement. All the people who are around him, the disciples and others are like, wait a minute, we thought that wealth was a sign of God's blessing. And I would guess that we in the 21st century believe that probably be the case today. We look at people who are uh, blessed with wealth and think, oh, God must really love them or something. Um, but that is not the case. Money is a neutral thing in Scripture. Money is a neutral thing for God. It's what we do... Uh, with the gifts that we've received that matters. So why is it difficult for those who are wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God? Well, there's a couple reasons, I think. Uh, one is that wealth enables us um, to believe that we do not need other people for our existence. I think those of us who are blessed with wealth um, can think that we can be self-sufficient, um, that we can live independently or isolated, and we have the means to take care of ourselves, and we don't really need other people. And that is kind of the opposite of what God's all about. 
Do you remember back in the story of creation, way back when, when Adam was the only guy around and God said, it's not good for man to be alone? Remember that? And so let's, let's create other people so that they can live in community. Now, we, we read that in terms of marriage, sure, but I think it means much more than that. I think it means that all of us were created to be in relationships with each other, and we can't do that if we live in isolation from each other, and wealth can, can, can make that happen. It can help us to believe the lie that somehow we don't need God, we've got everything we need, or we don't need other people. But it also separates us in some other ways as well, which we're going to talk about um, in just a minute. I think one of the reasons that uh, we're uncomfortable talking about money uh, in church um, and in other places of our lives uh, is because um, there's this dichotomy that exists in the Christian faith where um, we can come to church on Sunday and pray and yay Jesus, and then the rest of the week it might be more difficult for us. Or we can remember the church and our Christian lives when it comes time for for baptism of our children or when we're praying for meals at home, but maybe not when we're balancing our checkbook or we're deciding what job to take or who to date or whatever decisions we're making. And I think this passage really addresses an importance um, that whatever dichotomy we might have in our life, um, they're false. God wants to be involved in every aspect of who you are and what you're about. Everything that you are, everything that you do, and everything that you have, God is interested in, and God has something to say about it. And so I think this passage can, can help us to kind of overcome that dichotomy. I'm going to ask Jane to put up uh, one of the slides from the passage today. I want to talk a little bit about a couple of things. God cares about what we do with the resources we have for two reasons. One is for ourselves, and the other is for other people. Notice when, uh, when God, Jesus talks to the man, he says to sell all his possessions and to give them away, specifically to a group of people called the poor. And wealth has a tendency to isolate uh, those who are wealthy from those who are poor, those who live in a different state of being. Um, and one of the things that God is interested in is for us to remember that we are all brothers and sisters and that we're all in this thing together. And again, the other part of that is, is for the man himself, um, you know, that he needs to, to give away what he has in order to enter into true discipleship and following of Jesus. I want us to look at this just a little bit. There's a few details in here which are so critical. The first thing uh, that I have to remind you all about is in the book of Mark, in the gospel of Mark, every time someone runs up and kneels before Jesus, they are asking for healing, okay, uh, for themselves or for someone else. And that's how this story begins. A man runs up and he kneels before Jesus. The man recognizes that he has uh, a, some dis-ease. Do you see dis-ease and disease are kind of the same word, word two words together? Uh, you got to be, be with me on that a little bit. So he feels, he's been following the commandments of Moses, but he has dis-ease about his own wealth. And so he comes and he kneels before Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he loves him. Isn't that an awesome sort of thing to think? That if we uh, in our own lives have a disease or some dis-ease about our position or our wealth, that we can approach our Lord who will acknowledge us and love us through that process. And again, he says, you know, you're just lacking one thing. You've got to come follow me. That's what the Christian faith is all about. It's about our discipleship, about following Jesus. And for this guy, and I would guess for many of us, there's some barriers to that. There's some things that get in the way of us being able to follow Jesus. And for this guy, it was all the stuff that he had that, 
distracted him from being in community with his brothers and sisters that, that he could not let go of in order to follow Jesus. I wonder what you and I might have in our own lives that is preventing us from following Jesus to the full extent that Jesus would have us, that is limiting our discipleship and our faith. And I wonder, whatever those things might be, how we can give them away so that they're no longer an obstacle. So as he kneels and, and, and says this thing, um, Jesus knows uh, that what the guy is truly after, he will have if he just follows Jesus. Um, but he has to give away these things. It's a difficult thing for us. I think in a lot of times uh, we are sort of conditioned to live in a mentality of scarcity that we don't have enough or that if something happens, we're not going to have enough or um, whatever that, that mentality is. We're bombarded by messages 24-7 and advertising that says, if you, if you had more money, you'd be happier. That's a lie. We all know it, but we get bombarded with that message all the time. And, and also the message of, uh, you know... Um, you know, if you want to be successful or well-known or famous, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's all about these things. But it's not. Uh, those things are fading and they're false, and we know that as Christians. Um, but those messages are hitting us all of the time. This guy has a disease he needs to be healed of. And we also have a disease, uh, the mentality of scarcity, and we need to be healed from it. When Jesus tells the man to sell all his possessions, it's not some Herculean test of his faith. It's not some extreme test. It is a prescription, a radical medical prescription for healing and health and wholeness in his life. And Jesus is giving us that same radical prescription in our own lives today. Whatever dis-ease we have in our life, if we approach our Lord on our knees, he will look at us and he will love us and he will give us the prescription that we need to better follow him in our lives. My suspicion is that for many of us, it will also be giving away things that are getting in the way of that discipleship. As we enter into a month of thinking about um, stewardship, about how we engage with all the gifts that God has given us, our time, our talent, our treasure, our relationships, our family, our friends, our work, everything we have, everything we are, everything we do, God cares about that. And we're entering in a month uh, as, a, as a church where we're really thinking about how God is calling us to give away things, not so that we will have less or experience scarcity, but here's, here's, here's a, a tricky thing to say, but it's true. If you're so bombarded with stuff, if your life is so full and abundant, there is no more room for God to give you any new gifts. God cannot give you the gifts that God wants to give you unless you give away your stuff. God cannot pour and rain down God's blessing, which is by the very nature of who God is, unless you share what God has already given you so that there's room to receive what's to come. So this month, I really hope and I really want to encourage you to think and pray about your stewardship. I want you to think and pray about what this church means to you and, and, and the work we're about together. It's such an exciting time at St. Michael's. We're doing some awesome stuff. God is being worshipped, and we are growing some awesome, incredible things here. Um, I'm really inspired, again, by this Compass Rose meeting um, to really think about God's generosity in my life and how other people's generosity inspires me. 
I think one of the ways that we can correct that 24-7 bombardment about that you need more, we don't, is to remember each and every day one of the gifts that God has given you. So I encourage you this week at work or at home, each day, think of one thing that God has blessed you with in your own life. Think about the abundance of that gift and how, how that has transformed your life and allows you to live in joy and fullness. And then think about how God might be calling you to share that gift with other people. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this Anglican communion. We thank you for the gift of generosity, which inspires other people. We thank you that you call us to healing and wholeness in our following of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us to give away whatever is holding us back in our discipleship. We pray that you would help us to acknowledge the abundance of your gifts in our lives and that you would help us in our discernment how we could be good stewards of all those gifts. Lord, help us to give away and to put aside and to share all those things which we have in order that we could continue to receive your blessings and be the people you would have us be. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.